Hey, sweetheart, I did and I did and I did for the timeline of Joseph. And God just gave me so much clarifications due to resources to get Joseph's timeline. And it's a mixture out of the, out of the Yashar and out of, you know, the, you know, book of Genesis. So Yashar just nothing but just a Hebrew word of, you know, a scroll and a script. That's just, you know, the name is strength. You know, you know, well done, getting strength, meaning getting the true facts of what actually happened. It's more, you know, historical than, you know, King James. But I love them both because I just love just getting all of what I need. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm excited. <laughs> okay. This is Joseph's timeline. I love this. Okay. Joseph, starting at 14, his 10 older brothers fought you know, the six-day war, you know, against the Amorite cities, the seven Amorite cities, okay? At the age of 17, he was sold into slavery, Genesis 37.1. And still at the age of 17, you know, he was sold and then he was released unto Potiphar's house, Genesis 39.1. Now, a year later, he's 18, and he was put in prison for 12 years. So that says a lot to me because I wondered, Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife, Zuleika, I was like, she couldn't have tried to come on to him at the age of 17. But, you know, back then, you know, age, you know, didn't really matter so much, but it still was 18. I just wanted to know, but she actually waited till he became 18 and she, you know, lied on him in such a way. And he was in prison for 12 years. And he only worked, well, excuse me, it says 12 years, but he had to work for him for a year in order to be in prison for 12, well, for 11 years because he was sentenced for 12, but he worked for him for one. So that eliminates one year out of the 12. So Potiphar's house, he was there for only a year and in prison sent there for the other remainder of the 12. So that could go two ways. It's either that he was almost 18, once he got sold in Potiphar's, you know, care, he probably was in the same year of his birthday and, you know, around the time, because it's not given so much of a year time difference of him going to prison for 12 years. So if it's stated that it's 12 years, it's either that he, okay, thank you, God. So it wasn't long before his 18th birthday, basically. So now the age 27. Nine years later, he's 27, and the butler and the baker arrives at the prison. Now, age 28, a year later, he interpreted, he interpreted their dream in Genesis 40, 23. Now, two years later, he's 30, he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, Genesis 41, 46. 34, that's when, you know, 34... His twin sons are born in Genesis 41, 50 through 52. 37, a famine begins, Genesis 41, 54. 38, his brothers came to Egypt the first time, Genesis 42, 1. 39, his brothers came the second time with Benjamin, and Benjamin was 30 years old. Jacob was 130, Genesis 45, verse 1, Genesis and also Genesis 47, verse 9. 17 years later, 
Joseph is 56 years old. His father is 147 and he died. And that's in Genesis 47, 28. So Joseph had 17 years with Jacob. And that's amazing to me. And he was very old and you already know he was ill. So 15 years later after Jacob's death, Joseph is now 71 and Pharaoh dies. The one that had Joseph to rule. Still the same year, Joseph 71, Joseph began to reign over Egypt for 40 years after Pharaoh's death. At the age of Joseph being 71. 18 years later, after Joseph 40 years of reigning in Egypt, Joseph is now 89 years old. Joseph and his brothers, with along with 600 men, killed 200,000 of 800,000 men sent by Esau. So that says a lot to me because Esau died around the same time Jacob did. And for how many years later? <laughs> that happened They around when Joseph was 56 years old, his father died and Esau not too long behind it. Now Joseph is now 89. 89 years old. And him and 600 men, with along with his brothers, killed 200,000 of 800,000 men sent by Esau. So 600,000 men went home. And it says a lot about Esau and how much he was still had, how he still had a, a, what you call it, a grudge against Jacob because of the birthright incident. So all these years, even though Jacob was away and, you know, didn't go home, he was scared to go see his mother, his father, his brother, Isaac and Rebecca. He still, you know, wrestled with that angel and, you know, he went back and his brother, you know, they made a truce or what. But now that we read and we get in, you know, biblical more theology, more revelations, it's stating that Esau never really forgiven Jacob about it. He really didn't because he was already dead and years later, 30, 40 years later, 50 years later, you had it already set up to have Jacob's entire lineage murdered. And it's amazing. It shows how strong Joseph and his brothers, along with 600 men, are very strong because 200,000 out of 800,000, they killed. So that's let you know how strong Joseph and, you know, and they really were in battle because it, it was a way more of them sent by Esau than, you know, there was with Joseph. It's so amazing. And 21 years later after that, Joseph dies at the age of 110, found in Genesis 15, 26. So it's very powerful. The point I'm making is, Holy Spirit had me to research how many years have the children of God, and I researched it, and I, my exact words, how many years have the children of God been in Israel? 430, it says. Okay, well, how many years have they been, I mean, in Egypt? 
The Israelites been in Egypt 430 years. How many years have they been enslaved in Egypt? It still say 430 years. And the reason why I say that because somewhere in the scripture that someone didn't go through the timeline or didn't feel like it was important enough to document the timetables. But throughout the generations, people be hungry for timelines and they do the research due to the age differences and the years that has been stated in some points or some days and some ages, and you put two and two together and it goes way down to the next scripture, the next book about this age. So you add and you do your subtraction, your division, and there you go with the timeline. It's just a lot of, you know, researching and multiplication, but you still get the satisfaction due to you getting your answer. And it's just amazing to me because 110 years, Joseph lived. But he reigned in Egypt, he ruled in Egypt 80 years. So, this is what happens. So, 430 years that Israelites been in Egypt, but Joseph only ruled for 80. So, that's 350 years that's not accounted for whether they were free or not. But we know 80 years out of 430, they were free because Joseph, when he ruled, he took great care of his family. And Pharaoh Ramses II made sure of it. But then all of a sudden, Pharaoh Ramses II began to feel some kind of way about the Israelites. The Pharaoh at the time felt some kind of way. They were being, they were populating too much. They didn't want to become the slaves of the Israelites as Egyptians. So it went from making you slaves, and then here's, here's Moses' generation, where they went from making you slaves, and now y'all starting to be more, you know, you populate and more even in slavery. So let's just take every baby male and kill them. Because they, we can't take the women because they got to be there for the children that's already here. So we need the women that has the children. So we rather just take the fathers. You understand? the boys from growing up to becoming strong men. And to me, it's so amazing that 350 years, it doesn't say how long, it just states in the Bible and the Yashar that after Joseph's death, they made sure that Joseph's entire family generation was gone before the Israelites became slaves. And I don't mean fathers and their 16th cousin and all that, because they're still descendants of Joseph and them because they populated being there. But I mean like the tribes of Jacob. You understand? And his sons, and they're, you know, just the first and the close to Ken. Once they were wiped out, that's when the slavery started. But it doesn't stay in the Ashar how long it been after Joseph's death that that population began to arise before they became slaves. But it was within that 430 years. And I just thank God for, I mean, three, excuse me, 350 years. And I think it's very amazing because when you think about the African-American culture and how we were enslaved to be, to be here, and I'm not, you know, teaching no class or nothing like that, but, you know, talking to you in such a way. But it just really, you know, dawned on me that 
the African-American culture been slaves in America for 400 years. And here it is with the Israelites in Egypt for 350, not accounted for, you understand, years does not have been enslaved. So I say, wow, God, it's only a 50-year difference of your children being in a form of poverty. And even with the African-American culture, I thank God that, you know, because Egypt is in Africa. And a lot of the tribes that were, you know, brought here were a lot of the time from West Africa, but they still went around different countries in Africa. And I'm sure Egypt was one of them. But it's so amazing how just it go from Egypt being slaves to, you know, they're going to different parts of Africa to bring them here. And they still singing songs unto God as the Israelites did before they start complaining. And the slaves were singing, you know, they call them Negro spirituals, waiting, just pretty much singing songs, giving God praise, and also giving songs to key people as to masters coming or which way to escape or which way to the Underground Railroad or which way to the, you know, a way of freedom, you know, because Canada was not just the only place for freedom. You understand, it was also different states. And let me tell you, just something that I just, very quickly, please, it's just in my heart. And they sung songs and gave God praise. But when you skip all the way down to Abraham Lincoln, you know, time as a president, and he's the reason for emancipation. And it actually was in January the 1st, 1865. But for real, Williams, which is the celebrity rapper slash, you know, actor, actor, he fought for Juneteenth because that was the first day in Texas. And that's where he's from, you know, in Texas, when they went along with the emancipation because the Confederate States didn't have to go along with the emancipation because it wasn't an effect for every state in America. It was only for, and you know what's so amazing? It was only for, I think, 25 states, and there are only 50. So the other 25 was not. So it was half and half, which caused the Civil War. And how cruel is that to have the Africans fight first in battle and combat for their freedom? So many of them die without even receiving the freedom lifestyle. How dare you do that? The Europeans weren't trying to fight. They wanted to put the slaves there. You want freedom, then you fight for it. And it's, it is so crazy because they still have Confederate states today. <laughs> and when you see the Confederacy flags, that's the flags that, you know, Trump and you'll see them around different places. It's a red flag with a blue, a blue X with some stars. And just to know the history behind the flag. And what is Confederacy? What is a Confederate state? It's a state that's feel, that feel as though that all people should not be treated and created equally. So you mean to tell me they still have Confederate Confederate states? Even though everybody has, you know, the emancipation and the 
emancipation and a day of freedom has been in effect for all the entire country? You mean to tell me that it's states that still operate in confederacy, confederacy? That definitely got to change. That definitely got to change because it's pretty much saying, yeah, you are free, but we still going to make this a confederate state that we really believe, even though we giving you the freedom, we still don't believe that you should be free. What? You kidding me? And I wonder how come no president as a Democrat ever fought to take off the Confederate states to make them all non-Confederate? And I thank God for the Confederacy because majority of the states became Confederate, whereas though that they're fighting for slaves to be free. Now we got that emancipation law in effect. Okay, so guess what, sweetheart? As of today, out of 50 states, we got 49, 48, 46, I mean, excuse me, 46 states agreed to the Confederacy, and there are four states today that are non-Confederate, meaning that they are you know, pretty much had to go along with, you know, having African-Americans free, but they still against the value of everyone being treated equal. So that's just like saying, I, I accept the law. I have no choice, but if it was up to me, I wouldn't treat you as an equal of me. And these states are Delaware, Kentucky, Maryland, and Missouri. You're kidding me? Maryland, Maryland, and majority of the population is African-American? Oh, God. Are you kidding me? There's only four non-Confederate states. And I don't understand how it's even able, when they had unions, to have them to give up the saying of, you know, not even valuing African-Americans to have the rights. So they pretty much kept them quiet, but they still are non-Confederate. I'm not okay with that. If 56 states can agree out of 50, I mean, 46 can, states can agree out of 50, what for are you? What make you so different? What make you so different? I come against that, that Delaware, Kentucky, Maryland, and Missouri become non-Confederate, I mean, excuse me, Confederate as well. How dare that still be that way? It's no way. It's like to these states, and we have presidents over the United States that's battling and thinking about things outside of freedom, but they consider this to be the land of the free. That's what Abraham Point was. We're not here to be hypocritical. If this is a land of the free, then how do we look having people here enslaved? I'm against slavery. He didn't grow up like that. He was brought up like that, but growing up, he disowned his family. From the age of 14, he disowned his family. Abraham Lincoln was ashamed of that. We growing up, you know, Christians and under, you know, Catholic morals, we're against this type of punishment. And how dare it been all of these presidents that are in the Democratic Party to allow these four states out of 46 to continue on 
being non-confederate? No way. That's like going to Delaware and the governor and all those in politics in Delaware, even the citizens in Delaware that's not African-American still have the same morals and they know due to the educational experience that they do have, especially politically, that that state is still non-Confederate, meaning that we still don't believe that you should be treated equally. And how did that look that many of us African-Americans don't know and reside there and think, you know, it's not saying, you know, tick for tack, but you know, you're there not even aware that you're under a state that's non-Confederate. So what are the laws there? Because each different state, each different district has different governors and doing different things. So what are the restrictions in Maryland? And you know, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia used to be all Virginia. It used to be all Virginia. Then they broke it up to Maryland and District of Columbia. And you know what's so amazing? Out of all of the 50 states, the District of Columbia is still a district, not even a state. (laughs) and it's the nation's capital and it's still a district wow that says a lot (laughs) that says a lot (laughs) the nation's capital is still a district when it's been broken up from Virginia and Maryland into three parts and it's still a district but yet Maryland is a state and Virginia is a state and D.C. is a district and it's a nation's capital. Virginia, not the nation's capital, nor neither is Maryland. So why is D.C. still a district? It doesn't make sense. It's like we give you all you asking, but we still going to keep a couple of crumbs behind. That's what it sounds like. And many people are OK with that. OK, we'll take we take the 98 percent. You could keep the two percent, but that two percent makes a big difference to that 98 percent. It really does. And I just got on here to talk to you about a little bit of all this. So God, yeah. It's only four non-Confederate states. Really? Really? And 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 it's so, you know what? That Merlin is one of them. (laughs) It used to be all Virginia, and then it broke up into Virginia, Merlin, and D.C. So when it broke it up, when it got broken up, Merlin decided... Not to go along with the Confederacy. Wow. So Governor Hogan knows about everything I'm talking about. I don't speak politics, but politics speaks about me. A lot of things I don't speak about is starting to speak about me. A lot of things I thought I didn't care about showing me that it cared about me all along. 
We brought up in this country free to learn. It doesn't cost to learn in America. Unless you go to college, but you even got grants and loans for that if you just don't get a scholarship. So many ways. And I thank God for that. But there are so many other countries and places that you really have to pay just to get half of a portion of what we get for free and take advantage of. And I start with myself. Hooking school like that. Not, not paying attention in class, but making straight A's when I want to make them. Teachers try to teach us things like this. You don't get this these days. They try to base everything about technology and soda, soda radios and whatever. Ours. Make no sense. Trying to create math problems that don't make no earthly sense. 2y minus 3 to the second power divided by 3dm is what? What do I have to do with my life being here? What do I have to do with being an officer? What do I have to do with being a president? What do I have to do with being a cashier? What do I have to do with being a minister? What do I have to do with being anything in society? The first man on the moon, Louis Armstrong. I mean, excuse me, Neil Armstrong. I get it. But that's the least of anything. You wanted to go to the moon. The moon, you know? Invested in millions for that? How about we send some of these millions elsewhere so people can get a fair education? Or a fair way of living? I don't care what no one say, no nation will ever have a shortage in money. It's such a lie because as long as you have the products to continue to keep the money going due to the machinery, it's going to always produce. And America burn bills every day, mark money every day that's still viable to spend. So there's no excuse that anybody could be hungry or without a place. Anywhere. Because you can use American dollar anywhere and transfer it. When I was in Africa, one dollar was worth 83, 83 to 84 shillings. And I came with 700. So go figure out how much that was. You think I spent money on me when I was there? No. I had to go into my account while I was there. Thank God they had a Bank of America in Africa. At the time, I was banking with the Bank of America. Spent money feeding other people, getting them shoes and feeding orphans. And they thought it was so amazing. You're not here for a vacay? No, you don't want to go to the safari? No, you don't want to go to jet skis, go to, you know, anything, water, beach, or out to eat or anything? No. I didn't come here for that. I came here to release God's word and help people physically and economically as much as I can. But I want you to know that silver and gold, I have not in a sense that I have word that's so much powerful than this silver and gold. Because when the silver and gold runs out, Kodisha Hood going to still be in America. You're going to still be in your village and you're going to be feeling like you have a drought. But when you receive these words of wisdom, these words of knowledge and gain an understanding, you will know that you will always have. When God said even exchange, it should be an even exchange.
And after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, his vice president, you know, who was acting like he was on his side and still was fighting for, you know, African-Americans, but so much for real, for real, pretty much turned his back for real to the point that he, the same Africans that were free from the plantations had to go back and work to gain their money to enjoy their freedom. Because how else would they get their food and their crops? They had to work for it. So we can't. So now we went from doing it for free to now being paid to do it. You understand? And I just, education is serious. I mean, I'm trying to tell you, and what's the point of it? Just to gain the knowledge. Just to gain the knowledge. We teach our kids, get an education to be somebody in life. And we think about their profession. No, gain an education, yeah, so you can be somebody, but gain it so you can have a great sense of knowledge, so you can know what you're here to do. Because whatever your passions is, it's going to clearly be, you know, evident in your life. You're going to be hungry to fulfill that thing. That passion, those gift things, that anointing. Everybody has an anointing on their life. That's why God dealt every man the measure of faith regarding the anointing he placed upon your life. Because everybody lives in the court of a process to go from glory to glory. And the process don't stop once you receive a breakthrough because you got to receive a breakthrough in another area. And even in that other area, you got to come up higher in the areas. Glory to glory. In finances, glory to glory. In marriages, glory to glory. With your children, glory to glory. With your business, glory to glory. Line upon line, precept upon precept. And I dare we have presidents democratically and saying they for this and for that, and yet we still got four states that's non-Confederate when emancipation was for that all slaves, not some, all be free. January the first, eighteen sixty-five, and it was petitioned in eighteen sixty-four. But because of the Civil War, it pushed Abraham Lincoln behind. He didn't really have any support. No one wanted to let go of the help. What are you saying, Abraham? We need them. They make our clothes, feed our kids. This man tripping. We don't know how to cook and clean. And that's why many down south states today eat in southern food. You'll see, you know, Caucasians eating fried chicken and people in Oklahoma making strawberry home pies and peach pies and plum pies and go to Utah. You see pie this, pie that. Southern food. Because the Africans that were brought here cooked southernly. They didn't cook that way in Africa. It wasn't no macaroni and cheese in no Shakazulu village. Or Botswana village. Or Muyayi village. Sarlion village. You understand? One no collard greens and mashed potatoes and fried chicken. They ain't even fried chicken in Africa. 
You can tell by the utensils that they use. And got betrayed because of sugar canes and rum? And they used the old African Americans to do it. The whites ain't captured the blacks. They only got them when they were already chained. They used the blacks to catch the blacks. Bribing them with sugar canes. They never tasted sugar before. And they start planting them there. Now you find them everywhere, especially in East Africa. I had one and almost passed out. The sugar is just that sweet. My God, how do you guys chew on this? I had a huge sugar rush. I was like, my God. For sugar and rum, they didn't have alcohol. They didn't have liquor there. So they tasted liquor for the first time. And they used those things and then weapons on top of it. They gave, they, you know, they wouldn't give them no guns. They'd be afraid to do that. But they were, they were, you know, threatened by the guns because they had never seen a firearm before. They used spears, arrows, and other objects that they found and made. Here you are coming with a, a rifle or, you know, a semi-automatic and chain them up like that. Jesus Christ. You understand? And that guy who went in that store and shot up those black African Americans in, in um, New York was named Peyton, not mistaken. He wrote 130 page to 180 pages describing why he was doing what he did. And you want to know what his reasons was? I was scared because the African-Americans are dominating here in America and I don't want to become a slave. So he pretty much said my people can ditch it out, but they can't take it back in return. Not saying that will ever happen. Because many of us and soon to be all of us on one accord with being one, working together. We passed that. We free. He couldn't take that, you know, he was talking about Biden, how he got, you know, African-American in the house and how he got, you know, Supreme Court, African-American. He said they dominating us. He got scared. That was his reason to try to kill as many blacks as he could. To dial down the population. And what I do, I pray for him. That whatever jail he go to, you know, that God cover him and protect him. Because he's still my brother in Christ, no matter if his mentee was that way or not. You understand, we pray for all men. But I just thank God that, you know, I had no idea that Confederate flag was the Confederate flag. I used to always look and be like, that's not in the, the U.S. flag, but it has our colors and it's in America. What is that flag? I never pursued it until I found out it's a Confederate, I mean, a non-Confederate flag. Not Confederate, non-Confederate. And Republicans use that flag a lot. And for someone to be stated in the statement, the purpose of the non-Confederate flag is that people all are not created, shouldn't be created equally. All people shouldn't be created equally. So how should the others be treated? You understand? I, um, it never touched my heart as much as it's touching my heart now. 
due to all the things that God is exposing to me. Because people just, you know, we take freedom for granted. And them people have been taken from their families, not knowing where they go, not even speaking the language. Didn't grow up on reading books and things like that in English because they didn't speak English. And it's not even just the African American culture, but look about look at think of the Indians. How dare they give Christopher Columbus a holiday saying he discovered America when the Indians were already here? Millions of years before we even, you know, he came, Christopher Columbus. How dare you give him a holiday? How dare you? Give him a holiday on the exact day that they say he discovered it, but give Martin Luther King a, a, a holiday days after his, no, days before his birthday? Couldn't even give him his birthday date as a holiday. Gave him days after. Doesn't make sense. How dare you to go in the uh, teepees and huts with the Indians and take their home, enslave them, kill them, and then come up with this bogus story? But even though it did happen, but not as much as they say it and portray to be, the pilgrims and the Indians sat down. No, after you burned their homes down and killed their people, you threatened them and then try to make a truce to feed them because they had no, they were starving. How does that look? You take their stuff and then you try to eat with them. It's just, you know, God. I'm okay. <laughs> I just thank God that he's shaking things up in this nation. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. They grow you up thinking the American dream. What is the American dream? What is an American dream? To make a certain amount a year? Get a spouse? Have children? In a single home? With a dog? And they got to have an American dog is a golden retriever or a German shepherd. And what's the American dream house? If you Google it, sweetie, it's going to be blue shutters with a red door. Google American dream home. And show me and, and you see what you see. And the reason why God filled me up with a passion for that, because all that's crumbling down immediately. And as for those four states, oh, they will be confederate. They will be confederate. How dare that still be that way? And that's why God showed me. Keep it up in prayer, because that's, no, I'm not okay with that. Far from it. I'm currently living in Maryland. How dare they? Not agreeing with me being created and treated equally, and yet I reside here? And born in District of Columbia naturally, that's not even considered to be a state, but it's the nation's capital? Get out of here. 
Get out of here. And it was at one point when I'll never forget I was younger, they was trying to make the nation's capital in New York. But they didn't because it had the Empire State Buildings and it had the Statue of Liberty. They didn't want it to shine too much. Because each state in America is known for having something there. But I don't talk to you a lot about history, period. <laughs> oh, God. Please excuse me, sweetheart. God has shown me a typewriter. I've never seen God type on a typewriter before. And he's really, he's typing something that he's looking on paper and typing it. That's symbolic for whatever he's doing. Probably everything I'm saying. <laughs> I know I cry. I just have such a passion just for the things that God showed me. You know. That man, uh, Abraham Lincoln, fought for us. He did. The only one at the time who did. You know how much he went through to be the only one feeling that way? The only one feeling like the free the slaves? He going against everybody else. <laughs> and then the people start joining until they start losing money and revenues. They start saying, raising them eyebrows. We losing money. Now you trying to free them. Now we don't have nobody to, you know, work, for, you know, do our, our crops, you know, getting them, you know, prepared and watering them and taking care of them, picking the cotton and making things, closing stuff out of them. I just thank God that we are free naturally. But many of them were free spiritually, still being enslaved naturally. Being whipped like that. Who was it? Uh, Uncle Tom. His name is not Uncle Tom. I'm going to give it. Hold on. Josiah Henson. <laughs> I said it like Google said it. Josiah Henson. <laughs> but thank you for the joy, God. But Josiah Henson, they consider him, quote, unquote, Uncle Tom. And guess what? The whites, due to the book that was made due to, from a white woman, she wrote who he really is in a good way. His, you know, it's true identity. But the white people try to turn it around, make it seem like Uncle Tom is a man who wanted to kiss white people's tail and deny blacks and tell on blacks and betray blacks just to have people hate him. But whole time, that's not who Josiah Henson was. Uncle Tom was just, you know, the name they given him because he was a man who was eager to get an education as a slave and he sought a way to freedom. He was just like a male Harriet Tubman, but he did it. He did more things like he created schools for African-Americans to learn and, and learn how to read and write and, you know, do work. He, he helped build schools for, for African-Americans. He got them free and sent them to freedom land and didn't build schools when they were free. And the whites couldn't stand the fact that once you cross that borderline into freedom, nothing they could do about you, whether you was a slave or not. And I was just so grateful for his time because one time he got caught and he got 130 slashes on his back to the point it dislocated his left or, one left or right shoulder. And back then, blacks couldn't go to the hospital, especially as a slave. And during the time, and, and, and guess why? Because his master was, was gambling and he took him with him because he was you know, trustworthy to protect him as a slave. 
still seeking freedom. It was like in between him going to his freedom and coming back. And he would sneak at night and free people and come back to get more, but play it off like he never left to the, the slave owner. And when he came back one time, the slave owner had him go with them to a, you know, a um, gambling party. They were gambling. And I guess the man got mad at his slave owner for winning, so he was fighting him. And Josiah Henson, the slave, which they call Uncle Tom, didn't like what he saw. So he, you know, pretty much defended his slave owner. But back then, slaves couldn't fight no slave owners. Blacks couldn't put their hands on whites. So he helped defend his slave owner and, you know, fought the white man. And then he, you know, they went to court. And the thing about it is, it's so sad. Because blacks couldn't even speak for themselves and it was an all-white jury. Slaves were not able to speak for themselves or testify or even defend themselves at the time. So he was just guilty, period. And, and his slave owner couldn't do nothing about it. And he was like, you helped me, you saved my life, but you got to be punished for it. So he got 130 slashes on his back and it dislocated his shoulder. And it never healed properly. So it's like... He, his posture wasn't able to, you know, he wasn't able to sit up and stand up correctly because the bone on his collar never healed. The man, he broke it in half when he whipped them. You know how much damage happened to getting hit 130 times with a whip on your bare back? Skin falling on the ground. And then they, they don't take you to no hospital or give you no anesthesia or nothing, no numbness or nothing. You got to bear that pain till your body heal. So the people that he was supposed to lead to freedom had to wait for years for that to heal up. And they say he never really recovered from the, the broken shoulder, the collarbone. But that's what Uncle Tom is about. He's a great man, but they try to portray him. They try to disrespect his name. They don't want to be known as a good man. They try to say Uncle Tom means that you are a black trader. You know, you are, you know, you you sell out. And that's not what Uncle Tom is. And that's why she wrote a book about what Uncle Tom is. Forgot the name, Margaret, I think something. He did great things. He he you know, led them to freedom and then built schools for them to, you know, enjoy while they were free. So, you know, all of that to say, oh, God, sweetheart, <laughs> oh, God, are you still listening? <laughs> Did you put the phone down? You better not. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just felt this in me to get it out. Please <laughs> hear me. It means so much to me. Everybody, every race. You understand? God won't have me run for a presidency. Try to tell you, if I was a president, I would go straight to the United Nations to speak to every president. We all going to use some of each nation or what each nation needs. And a war is unnecessary. You understand? We're going to work together to build this entire planet on one accord. You understand? Who wouldn't agree to have their nation better because each nation can use something out of each nation. Understand? But I love you. I thank God for you so much. I know the United Nations meeting be it'd be something because each president, all of them don't speak each language. So they all most of them, some of them speak, you know, a pretty good amount, 
But, you know, there are always interpreters present. And I think that, that's funny <laughs> to be talking to you. I had somebody, to, you know, translate it. Because when I was in Africa, I had to wait to hear what they were saying, what he was saying, so I could understand, oh, okay, then I would say something back, and then, you know, like that. But if I'm going around one of them and they speaking in Kiswahili or Swahili, I don't know what you say to me. You understand? <laughs> I know some words now, but I don't know at all that you don't create a conversation, you know. That's just like going to the nail salon and they, you know, they speaking in Asian, you know, Hong Kong or whatever. You don't know what they're saying. You understand? But, you know, I thank God for everything I see. Let me get off of here. <laughs> Greater is he, oh God. Who's in us? The he's in the world. I love you. <laughs>